good morning, Haven Church family. Feel free to grab a seat, grab a seat. Um, happy New Year. Did you all have a great New Year? Yeah, it's been a good, good New Year celebration, good Christmas. It's great to be back. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. And today is an exciting day for our church family because uh, New Year, new name. Who here is excited about the Haven Church? Yeah. Round of applause. Yeah. Exciting. So a couple heads up before we dive into the sermon. One, there is a free swag bag, one per family in the foyer. Uh, I got a mug, a prayer journal, uh, and we have these cards in there that are meant to uh, be serve as an invitation to a friend or to a loved one to come to church with us. And so it has all the info for the Haven Church when we meet. And so keep that in your wallet or your purse. Make sure to grab one before uh, you leave. That's our gift to you. And uh, for the sermon today, it's going to be a two-part sermon in under a certain amount of time or less, okay? I can't make any promises, but we're going to do an intro for The Haven, and then we're going to intro our new series that we're going to be diving into for the new year, which I'm really excited about, which is Love Walked Among Us, uh, Rediscovering the Heart of Jesus. So if you've been at church for a while, you knew that this day was coming for renaming the church. If you've been a member for over a year, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Every member meeting, Nick's not going to talk about the haven. We made it. We're on board. Let's go, okay? And if this is your first time here and you thought you were coming to the transit church, uh, this probably thoroughly confused you, okay? Um, and uh, no, you are not in the wrong place. The transit church isn't further down Etzel Road. Uh, you are at the transit church, which is now called the Haven Church. So you are right where the Lord wants you uh, to be, okay? And so uh, uh, the line that we are using and have used with uh, in our member meetings we're going to use today is same church. Just new name, same church, new name. And so we honor the transit. We honor where we've been, everything that God has built and done through that name. And uh, this is the illustration that came to mind uh, to kind of uh, symbolize what this moment uh, uh, means to our church family. And so yesterday, my wife and I got, I think, our first date since our fourth child was born yesterday, which was amazing. Thank you, Grandma and Grandpa over there for watching the kids. And we went to Vienna to go to take a trip down memory lane. We used to have, live in a basement apartment in Vienna, Virginia. And we, we went through this neighborhood uh, that we used to live in. And in that neighborhood, there were all these uh, old houses that were built in the 50s and 60s. And we didn't recognize the neighborhood and some of the streets because uh, investors are buying these houses and demolishing them, like tearing them to the ground. And then somehow, I don't know what people do in Vienna to afford these houses, but like $1.5 million houses go up on these lots. And so let me say it loudly and clearly, that is not what today symbolizes, okay? We have not torn down and taking a, uh, taking a wrecking ball to the transit and have a whole new brand, new set of vision and values and, and all that stuff. That's not what this is, is tearing something down to put something new in its place. Instead, the illustration that I want to use, so we're all on the same page of what this moment symbolizes, is this, is that in 2013, this church was planted uh, by a dear a brother and friend uh, of mine, uh, the former lead pastor, Jeff Toomer. A lot of you know him. Jeff's amazing. Uh, and uh, he planted this church in 2013, and that's when God built this church. And then since 2013, God, by his spirit, by his truth, through his, through his beloved sons and daughters, God has been building and continuing to strengthen what he has built for over a decade. And so as the leadership 
has been partnering with you to labor, to strengthen and build up this house that God has built and is building, we over the past couple of years have taken a step back and in prayer have sought the Lord and said, hey, we've gone to the sidewalk and we're looking at the building project that, that God is building through us and we're saying, does the transit most accurately describe uh, the building that God is calling us to build? And then we go back to labor, we take a step back and we say, does the transit really accurately describe what God is building here? And, and we came to agreement with the elders and the leadership that, hey, you know what? The transit doesn't necessarily accurately describe what God is building here anymore. We feel like there might be something better. And as we sought the Lord, guess what word the Lord put on our minds? Haven. The haven, yes, the haven, right? The haven. Uh, this idea that the church uh, of Jesus Christ, this is, what, this is what the transit has been, where God has been leading us and God is leading us into, but this idea of this body of believers being a, a refuge, a, a safe place, a place of the hope of Christ, a place of uh, the healing of Jesus to a lost and, and broken and, and dying world. And you might be asking, I haven't heard the word haven in like 30 years what, is that? what does that mean? And so I'm going to pull up the dictionary definition uh, for you all for the haven. It's simply put, a haven is a place of safety or refuge. A place of safety or refuge. And historically, when you look up the dictionary definition of haven, it was also used synonymously uh, as a harbor. Uh, this idea where uh, there's this place where weary sailors could anchor their ships uh, and find a, a place of safety and, and rest from their perilous journey at sea. And uh, it's our firm belief here, I was about to say at the transit, at the haven. <laughs> Probably for the next few weeks, guys, you're going to be like, hey, welcome to, you're going to hear me, just correct me, all right, mid-sermon, if I say it. That is my firm belief, it's our belief that this is the calling, the invitation of Jesus Christ to his body for us to be to the world around us, a place where the lost, the weary, the broken, the suffering traveler can come and finally find what their restless hearts have always been searching for, Jesus Christ and his family, his redeemed family. And uh, this quote by Henry Nouwen, I think, beautifully summarizes this kind of vision of, of what it means to be a haven to the world around us. And if you've been a member, you've, you've, you've heard me share this quote at member meetings, and this probably will not be the last time I share this, but this is the quote. It's, it's beautiful. In our world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture, and country, from their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest self in their God, we witness a painful search for a hospitable place, maybe a, a haven of sorts, where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. That is our vocation as Christians, to convert the enemy into the guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. Don't you love that quote? Isn't that so good? I love that line where he says, uh, this is our vocation are calling as Christians. I've said this a lot, and I'm going to double down on it, is, is uh, in ministry, I've never wanted to, to make it my goal to simply run a church really well, to run an organization really well. But I truly want the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love to advance against the kingdom of darkness, for the lost to be found, for Jesus to restore the broken, to comfort those that are suffering, for Jesus to be exalted in doing what he came on earth 
to do, that messianic calling, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the captive, to bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are bound, that we would be a haven. This is our vocation as Christians to not have a really cool, hip church with cool branding and marketing, blah, 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 all that stuff. No, that we would be known for the love of Jesus. And the name that would be on our lips isn't the haven, it would be Jesus Christ and what he's done. And this is, this is the real simple invitation. We can complicate things as followers of Jesus, but I think actually the Christian life, when, it's, when you go down to, to the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of what the Christian life is, it's essentially this. We are to be to others what Jesus Christ has been to us. That's our calling. We are to be to others what Jesus Christ has been to us, to put his love, his redemptive love for us on display in what we say and, and how we act to those around us, that Jesus Christ, when we were his enemies, he welcomed us to his table. He went to the cross and died for us to convert, like we read in that, that, that uh, quote there, to convert the, 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 the enemy into uh, a welcome guest at his table. Jesus has been that haven, that refuge for us, and the greatest honor of our lives is to be that for each other, right? John 13, 35, by this, how will the, how will the world know that we, we follow Jesus by how you and I here in this haven, by how we love one another and how we invite others into the love that we have experienced through Jesus. That's what I love about the word haven. It's not just home. It's not like the, the word of just being insular and we're just gonna be inward focused and just hang out with each other. No, the, the haven in one word perfectly encapsulates who we are to be to each other, but also we exist to, for, for it's missional. In one word, it's missional. For the weary, for the broken, we exist to welcome them in and to give to them what Christ has given to us, that Jesus Christ, with his nail-scarred hands, has pulled up a chair, an empty chair at his table, said, come and feast with me at my table of fellowship. And with that said, you might be asking, what's with this logo, right? And so if you can pull up the logo, so here's a fun fact. Solomon Jagway is very, very gifted with uh, media. And, and Oh, here we go. Here's the, here's the logo. Solomon did this. This is amazing. Look at this. Boom. Look at that. Man, that's hot, Solomon. That's hot. Yeah. So... Solomon was like, hey, email me some of the logos. I did that yesterday. And then in a day, he did that. And said it to me last night. I was like, oh my gosh, dude. I, I could live my whole life and never do that. That was amazing. So um, the logo is, you might be asking, is that a lowercase h or is that a chair? It kind of looks like a chair. Which one is it? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both, right? And I think it's genius. It's beautiful. Uh, in, in this regard, I'm not giving myself credit here. I just think it's a cool look. Okay. In this regard is that, man, props, we, we rocked it. Uh, is, is the refrain, the anthem that we, we hope is our anthem uh, to those outside our fellowship is, man, there's a chair that waits for you. There's a chair that waits for you. That like the likes of us, right? Former enemies, running away from God. God pursued us. He chased us down and he brought us in. But then where did he bring us to? He seated us with him in the heavenly places. Every, every Sunday service, we celebrate communion, which is table fellowship. Jesus saying, hey, there's a chair at my table for you. And now the greatest honor of our life 
is to say, hey, to, 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 the, to, the, to, to enemies of the church, to people that are far from God, saying, there's a chair that waits for you. Come and see what it's like to feast at our king's table. And so that's the, the, the idea behind the logo. If people ask about that, if you're, you know, uh, I don't know, give them an invitation or they see the logo is, is, yeah, hey, we just want you to come and see the goodness of our king, that, that we want to be a hospitable, welcoming community, and that there's a chair that waits for you and that you would come and find your place at our king's table and see how good our God is. Come and see how good our Jesus is. I found this quote this past week, uh, which is very fascinating, from the Atlantic of all places uh, by author Jake Meter. And he shares this quote about the, the church and the church's response, what the church has to offer the culture in our cultural moment. And he says this, What is more needed in our time than a community marked by sincere love, sharing what they have from each according to their ability and to each according to their need, and eating together regularly, generously serving neighbors, and living lives of quiet virtue and prayer? A healthy church can be a a safety net, a haven, if you will, in the harsh American economy, By offering its members material assistance in times of need, meals after a baby is born. Someone say amen to that? Yeah. We didn't have to pay for our date last night because of your gift cards. Thank you. Boom. Let's go. Uh, Meals after a baby is born, money for rent after a layoff. Perhaps more important, it reminds people that their identity is not in their job or how much money they make. They are children of God, loved and protected and infinitely valuable. Amen, right? And I love it because he says, what is more needed in our time than there to essentially be an embassy of heaven, an outpost of heaven, permeated with the love of God, both seen and, and heard among us? Like that is the light of the world, the display, the, the, the love of Jesus on display in us. And, and in our time, in this cultural moment, you know, uh, the key word in 2020 was unprecedented, Right? And I think since 2020, we've palpably felt maybe in more ways than we have previously um, the, the, the curse of sin over the world, right? Like there's just so much hostility and we're, there's so much confusion. And when we watch the news, we get so discouraged saying, Lord, what is happening to our nation? What's happening to our world? And our hearts can um, sink in, in despair. And the, the image that came to mind, the illustration that came to mind when I was preparing this message was imagine we're in a harbor, a haven of sorts, right? And we're overlooking the cold, fierce Atlantic Ocean in, in, in winter, off, maybe somewhere off the coast of Boston. Richardson's here from Boston, so maybe you've been here, but uh, in this moment, we're, we're in this, this haven, you and I in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Forever he's glorified, so forever we're, we're unified in his grace. Forever we are in the haven of his love and his protection. Like, he's not going anywhere. We're not losing our position, our status with Christ. So forever, we're in this haven, and we're, we're looking out, and it, it would be easy for us if, the, if the, the seas are raging, and we're looking out at the Atlantic, and we're seeing ships sink, and we're seeing uh, nations at war on the seas with each other, and, and, and we're just uh, discouraged. We could easily be discouraged with what we see. Or, or what if our response was not to get discouraged at what we see, but as a haven, as a harbor, what if our response in this cultural moment, and what if with this renaming, this is what Jesus is inviting us into, is the Lord's not saying, don't get discouraged, get ready. 
get ready. The darker things get in our world, the brighter the light of Christ shines. We as a haven need to get ready for all the, the weary travelers at sea who are going to, not if, but when the Lord sends them, that they're going to find their haven here with us. I really believe that's the invitation. That we, we're not, it's, not our, it's not our moment as the church of Jesus Christ to get discouraged. It's our moment to get ready. And I believe um, that we're, we're on the brink of a, a really big harvest of the Lord just sending us people who uh, would maybe never step foot in a church and they're gonna encounter the love of Jesus, the restoring, healing power of his grace in their lives. And, 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 and for us, what that looks like is, is, hey, let's shine that beacon of that lighthouse a little bit brighter in this season right? Let's, let's invite people to church. Let's invite people to community group. Let's, let's, let's have them uh, come and see what our king is like. Let's look at, at as a haven, instead of just watching the news and, and being discouraged by that, let's, let's look at our resources. Let's pray in our community groups as the winter cycle starts about ways that we can allocate our time and our talents and our treasures to serve those that are going to be coming in our midst. Welcome them, but be ready when they come. And what if we get some empty chairs ready Empty chairs ready in our community groups, at home, and in our sanctuary. Not if, but when God sends us those lost, weary travelers far from him, and they come and find the Jesus that they've been looking for uh, their entire lives. Amen? Amen. So before, we're going to pray uh, for uh, this moment. But before we do that, I want to invite up Kim Jagway. We were praying, and Kim Jagway didn't know what was in my notes uh, when we were uh, praying. We pray at 9 a.m. If you ever want to join us and pray for the service, you can come early at 9 a.m. and our team gathers to pray. And Kim had this picture that I think coincides perfectly what was, with kind of this idea of what I just shared. So she's going to share this and then we'll, we'll pray. I'm just going to share very quickly, probably 20 seconds or less. The vision was um, someone in white. It looked like masculine hands. There were these white robes flowing and there was this field with um, plants all the way around up to the waist and the one was walking through the field both hands outstretched and gathering as he walked handfuls and handfuls and that was as quick as the vision was and that was as clear as it was boom thank you kim heavenly father we come before you grateful lord god and lord we say all of this is yours it all belongs to you We want what you want, God. We want what you want with this body of believers. We want what you want with this church. And so collectively we agree and we say, Lord, would your name be magnified and glorified? God, would your will be done with this church family? And God, let it be said that it was your kingdom and no other kingdom that came. And so have your way for your fame, for your glory, Lord God. Only you can do it, Lord God. And so we pray, Lord, that you would continue by your spirit, that you would build us up and strengthen us and remind us of the depths of your love, Lord God. That we would sincerely just give out of the overflow of what we're receiving from you and have received from you. And I, and I invite you, to, as you're listening to me pray, I invite you to contend with me for the lost, maybe people that you know that don't know the Lord. And Father, we collectively cry out to you for friends and loved ones that are far from you that do not know you, God. 
And we pray that you bring them home, God. Bring them home, God. Lord, you said the fields are white for harvest and to pray earnestly for laborers to go into that harvest. And so we say, Lord, here we are, this this small church in Alexandria City with the avalanche of, of needs around us just in our immediate sphere of influence. You say, here we are, Lord, would you send us, would you use us? Would you equip us, God? And would you have your way and Lord, we, we, we take up the shield of faith and expectation, Lord God, that you're going to do it, Lord Jesus. That you are not sitting on your hands, that you are not still in the grave, but you are alive. You are moving in our midst, Lord God. We celebrate everything you've done just in this past year. We've seen things, you, we've seen, we've seen uh, uh, things we've never seen before in ministry this past year, God, of what you've done. And so we honor you. We say thank you, Lord. And we pray your blessing, Lord God, over this church body. And in 2024, Lord God, would you, Lord, just fill our mouths, Lord God. I pray for uh, 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 moms at the playground, Lord God, that you would just strike up, that you, you would just make it happen. Things would come out of their mouth where they're testifying of, their, uh, of your grace to them, God. Or, 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 or people at work with coworkers, God, that conversations would just be entered into that. That we would just stumble our way and find our way into the harvest, God. And we, would just, we could only give glory to you and say that was totally the Lord. Lord God. And so we cry out and we say, Lord, have your way with this haven, Lord God. May it be all about you, Jesus, your love, your grace, your mercy. And we thank you, God. We thank you for this moment in our church family. And we just dedicate this body, uh, Lord God. We dedicate this year to you. And we pray, Lord, that by your spirit, that you would just lead and guide us to where you're going. We want to follow you. So Jesus, where are you going? And we want to be going with you. So would you lead and guide our groups this winter cycle? Would you lead and guide uh, everything from, from big to little, up front, behind the scenes, with the haven, Lord God? We want it to be all about you, Jesus, and your will and your kingdom. And so we give you uh, glory and honor and praise, and we bless your name and all God's people said, amen. All right, uh, well, we're going to dive into a quick intro for our sermon series that I'm really excited about. Uh, you can turn to Revelation 2, 1 through 5 will be our text this morning. And about midweek this, uh, this week, I had the most epic case of writer's block I've ever had as a preacher. Has anyone had a case of writer's block before? Maybe a, a college paper or, you know, if you're uh, whatever, you know, preparing a message. And I had that. It was like beating my head against the wall for about 45 minutes. And I was like, Lord, and finally I got the memo. Oh, I should probably pray. <laughs> and I was going to start out this year by doing a four to five week series on the Haven, which is probably what you should do if you rename the church, right? It's like, hey, let's talk about Haven, like what it means, what it symbolizes, mission, vision, values, you know, like let's do that. And I was trying to carve it out, create a message, all that stuff, and nothing was moving. And finally, I prayed. And in this moment of prayer, midweek, I got this very strong and clear impression, which I felt like was from the Lord. We said, I don't want you to talk about the Haven. I was like, all right. And then I felt this second strong and clear impression. I want you to talk about my love, and I want you to talk about my son, Jesus. I want you to talk about my son. And in that moment, this idea popped into my head as I was just praying and dreaming big of, man, what would it look like for us collectively 
in the new year uh, to just do a sermon series on Jesus. Like us collectively taking a a fresh, in-depth, comprehensive look at the person and the work of Jesus Christ. What if we went back to these precious moments in the Gospels where Jesus comforts the broken, he feasts with the sinner, he heals the lame, he raises the dead, he feeds the hungry, he delivers the captive, and he calms the storms. And what if as we do that, we rediscover afresh the majesty, the wonder, and the mystery of our Savior's heart? Hence the sermon series title, Love Walked Among Us, Rediscovering the Heart of Jesus. So I'm really excited for this, to kind of take, I think if, if for a lot of us, we, we've walked with God for a long time, some of us for, you know, 30 plus years, and it's easy, just like in a, in a marriage, to kind of lose that, that wonder, that delight in that relationship, and it just kind of becomes status quo and, and lukewarm, and there isn't any of that, that, that passionate delight anymore. And I think the invitation from Jesus to uh, the haven this, this, this coming year is, is is come and behold me again. Come and, come and rediscover me again. Don't just uh, assume you know the depths of my love for you. Don't just assume, oh, I've heard this story again. I, I, I got it all figured out. No, 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 take a fresh look. Take a deep dive and rediscover who I am to you and who I've pledged to be. I'm excited for it. Love walked among us, rediscovering the heart of Jesus. And some of you might be saying, what do you mean rediscover, Nick? I'm a Christian. I haven't lost Jesus. He hasn't gone anywhere. I haven't gone anywhere. What do you mean rediscover? And the uh, Oxford Dictionary definition of rediscover is this. To discover something forgotten or ignored again. To discover something forgotten or ignored again. And the, the illustration that uh, came to mind uh, to, to illustrate this point um, was this. As a kid... Uh, my parents had a cabin in the Shenandoah Valley, and, and we would go take vacations on like a quarterly basis to the cabins. And I remember the wonder and delight and awe that I had in God's creation when I would go on these trips. Like I, even like even like moss would blow me away. You know, I would like dig it up, and I would like inspect it and be like, "Whoa, it's like God's carpet." And then look at the root system, and it just like flows. It's so soft and fluffy. What God, you're amazing, right? And then I go down to the creek, and I look at the, the small little tiny creek. But then, you know, it's, it's, it's like, how long has it it's etched its way through this rock face where all the strata is? And look at that rock formation. And just being blown away or walking in the, the, the woods, and you see this massive spider web. And there's a big old spider in the middle of it. But, but that wasn't what I was fascinated with. It was the symmetry of this web. And I'm thinking to myself as a little kid, not this, but as I think about it, this is probably what I was thinking, was, man, that spider didn't have a, a master's degree. He didn't go to engineering school. He didn't have another spider come and give him an apprenticeship class on how you make a web. Like, he just done and did that. And so as a little kid, I would, I would just, uh, the creation, walking through the, the wilderness just brought me delight. In, in my walk with the Lord, I was blown away uh, at, at, at his... His, his, his ingenuity, his creativity with creation. And now as an adult, I go back to the same cabin. And moss is just something that's soft on my feet, my old feet, which feels great, right? A creek is, hey, that creek is there, cool, right? 
uh, a spider web, walking in the woods with a spider, a spider web, hey, don't, kids, don't go over there, that's scary, you're going to have a nightmare, let's go over this way, right? That's what that is. So here's, here's what I'm getting at, is I didn't lose God's creation, what I, I did lose something, though. I've lost my wonder and delight in, in God's creation, something that I had previously, I, I have, I'd forgotten, I, I shelved, it, 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 no longer, it, it no longer brought me wonder and awe, and um, I don't know about you, but if you're like me in this, in this season, and I'm, on the, I'm still in a newborn, our family's still in a newborn season with her fourth. And so um, if you're like me, I'm so excited to dream big and to pray about, God, what it would look like for me and for us to collectively, for you to return to us the joy of our salvation and the joy of our Savior. What would that look like? And I think that's the invitation of Jesus. Come and wonder again. Come and delight and again. Come and look at me again. And then the second rebuttal would be this. Some of you might be saying, the gospel isn't about feelings. It's about the fact of God's de- definitive, historical, redemptive work for us in Christ Jesus to rescue us from our sins and adopt us into his family forever. And my response to, the, to that would be, yes and amen, thank you, God. That the gospel is this historical moment, this redemptive historical moment where God took on flesh and then that God Jesus in the form of Jesus went to the cross and took on our sin and took our sin to the cross through the empty grave and now has seated us with him in the heavenly places. That that actually has happened. And that for those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus in that moment, that death and that resurrection of Jesus, that is forever secure, forever sealed for us, no matter how we feel about it today. No matter how we feel about it, right? Isn't that great news? Right? Because if my salvation was up to how I felt about Jesus, I would gain and lose my salvation probably every 20 minutes, right? Like before coffee, I don't know if I'm saved, right? And then after coffee, man, I love, you know, like, wow, let's go, right? Thank God it's not about feelings. It's this moment, like, and so I want to make sure that as we, we venture into this re- rediscovering the heart of Jesus, I'm not discipling you that your faith is a matter of your feelings. And then to get you, uh, uh, myself and, and a lot of people that, you know, I've pastored is, is we have a tendency to wrestle with the security of our salvation. Am I saved? Did I lose my salvation? And, and I, I hold to the fact that Jesus Christ has said explicitly that no one will snatch them out of my hands. And then Romans 8, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, including your feelings, right? And so the gospel is a fact, a fact of history, that Jesus has purchased something for us, and we've received it in faith. And it's secure in his nail-scarred hands. And so the way I like to... Um, to, uh, to talk about this. I've shared this before, but I think it's really important for us to remind us of this before we dive into the sermon series, is that there is a difference between our eternal union with God, our position in Christ that can never change, and our experiential communion with him, our passion for Christ. Because we have been redeemed by Christ for the sake of a relationship with him, a covenant of love, right? And we know that with any relationships in, in marriage, that your relationship with your spouse can, can ebb and flow, right? If you've been married for longer than two minutes, you know that your passion, your delight, your joy in each other, there's different seasons where that can, can ebb and flow. Like, for example, if you were to take an inventory of the phone calls you had when you were engaged to your spouse, 
and the phone calls you have now like 10, 15 years married to your spouse, right? In that engagement period, what are the, what are the phone calls? No, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. I'm not going to do it. No, you do it. Okay. Oh, no, you hang up. Three hours later, I giggle. Oh, no, no, you do it. Oh, okay. I love you. Oh, my gosh. I'm so in love. Right? All right. Uh, here's, you know, here's, 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 here's the phone call now. 11 years married, four kids. Uh, hey, babe, you at the grocery store? Yeah, hey, we need diapers. Size one. All right. Cool. Is that it? All right. Love you. Bye. Boom. There it is. Like, those are the phone calls, right? Hey, we need some more diapers. All right. Pick those up. All right. Uh, I got to go. Tantrum in the other room right? And so we know that there's different seasons, right, in the fact that, like, for those that have been married, and that maybe describes where you're at in your relationship now, is you're like, man, you know, we, we haven't lost the relationship, but maybe we've lost that, that delight, that joy. And I, and, and I know for me personally, my walk with the Lord, and I imagine this resonates with a lot of us, is our hearts. There's something that God, I think, is, is birthing in our hearts. He's saying, hey, come back. Come back to that first love passion, right? It's not all about your feelings, but man, I, I love it when you delight in me. I love it. I love to hear your songs. I love to, to, when everyone goes down and you sneak away to that prayer closet, I'm there. I love to, when you pour out your heart to me late at night when you can't go to sleep, that baby's throwing that tantrum. I love your, would you come back to me? And that is what we see in Revelation 2, 1 through 5. I'll briefly talk about this and then we'll pray and uh, take communion together is what we see in Revelation 2, 1 through 5, is we see a church that hadn't lost its position in Christ, but it lost its passion for Christ. And if you have read Revelation, uh, the author is the Apostle John. Uh, he's writing this in exile uh, in, in the island of Patmos around the early 90s A.D. And um, the date of the, the, his writing is the early 90s. 90s AD, and Jesus is giving him this letter that he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And remember, we just went through a whole sermon series last year on Ephesians. And so um, the church at Ephesus was founded around 52 to 55 AD. And so Jesus is giving this revelation to the apostle John to, to, to give to the believers at Ephesus, a church now, believers now, who have been walking with the Lord, some of them, for 30 to 40 years. 30 to 40 years. They've been faithfully following Jesus in pagan, hostile Ephesus. That's how long they've been following Jesus. And in this letter that Jesus is, is giving to John, he tells him the following. Verses will be on the screen. Revelation 2, 1 through 5. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. I love that encouragement in verse three. Jesus is like, man, it's been tough for you guys in, in Ephesus, right? Like ever since that riot broke out, <laughs> people don't like you. They don't like me in you. And it's been hard, but you've been faithful. You've been enduring faithfully persecution for my namesake. You've been faithful. You've been dutiful. You've been patient. You've endured. And then Jesus says this, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. 
and repent and do the works you did at first. If you read Acts 19, Acts 19 is the, uh, the church planning story of Ephesus. And man, revival broke out in Ephesus. Paul goes to Ephesus and crazy stuff is happening. The, the demonized are getting delivered. Paul's handkerchief is healing people who are sick. Like, hey, here's this handkerchief. And then boom, people are getting healed. Crazy stuff. But here's what we see is the new believers at Ephesus had zeal. They had passion. They were going so much so that they were going to publicly identify. They were going to publicly divorce Artemis and publicly display their love for Jesus in front of all of Ephesus. And so there's this moment when this church was founded where all of these new believers who are saved out of witchcraft and paganism, they come publicly and they gather in this massive pile. It was, it was modern day value, some scholars uh, estimate, was $6 million worth of uh, uh, idols and occult books and literature and objects. And they just set this whole thing on fire in front of all of Ephesus and say, we are with Jesus. He's delivered us. He's forgiven us. He's, he's rescued us. And we're turning our backs on Artemis and we're with Jesus. You all know how the, the, church, the, the, the city of Ephesus responded? They, they, they rioted for a long time. People, uh, they got violent. And, and that was the culture they were in. And so there was this precious moment when we, when we read Revelation 2 and Jesus saying, hey, return to the love you had at first. And then you go to Acts 19 and what was that, what was that first love passion? They were so blown away at what they had seen and what Jesus had done in their lives that they were unhitching themselves from all of their idols, burning them and saying, we are fully yours. And Jesus saying, let's go back to that moment. You've forgotten something. Your love has grown cold. Your affection uh, has grown cold. You, you, you've forgotten my goodness. You've forgotten where I've delivered you from that 30 to 40 years. You're here now, but you've forgotten how you got here. And that's the invitation of Jesus to us, is to return to that first love, passion. And it's totally a gift of his grace. It's something that we want to fast and, and pray for, that he would do that. Because in the busyness of our lives, in the stress of our lives, um, we can just shelve him and box him out of our lives. And the beautiful thing about Jesus saying this to the church at Ephesus is Jesus is saying, you know, he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, hey, you guys, uh, your hearts have grown cold to me, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally fine with... Uh, your, your, your lack of passion for me in the season, and in a non-judgmental way, but an invitation to something far better. Jesus is saying, I'm still here, and watch this. We can go back if you want to. We can go back if you want to. It's gonna be a hard journey. You're gonna have to fight for it, but we can go back if you want to. Will you come with me? Will you remember the love you've had at first? And so with that being said, that's my hope and my prayer for this sermon series is that for those of us who've been walking with the Lord for a while, we're gonna go back and take an in-depth look at our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we fix our attention on him, he, by his truth and by his spirit, will begin to fan into flame our affection for him. So we're gonna uh, respond by taking communion. Band, you can come on up. And if you are uh, a believer in uh, the Lord Jesus, we invite you to participate in communion with us. Elements are in the hallway if you need to grab them. And on the night Jesus was betrayed. He shared a meal with his uh, disciples. And what comes to mind is um, he was seated at a table with 
a bunch of folks who were about to betray him. They were all about to leave him in the dust, and Peter was about to deny him three times. And in the context of that, Jesus knowing that, if you read the Upper Room Discourse, uh, Jesus prophesies over Peter that, hey, you know, three times you will deny me uh, tonight uh, before the rooster crows. And in that context, Jesus is sitting at a meal with these disciples who are all about to abandon him. And he takes bread and he says, this is my body, which is gonna be broken for you. The people that are about to betray me, I'm about to break my body for. And this, is my, this, this wine represents my blood, which will be shed to, to cleanse you and to cover you of your sins. He's saying this to a bunch of people that were about to abandon their faith in him. And what's amazing about the Upper Room Discourse, I saw this this week, this all just comes to mind, is that Jesus begins the Upper Room Discourse. This is his last supper meal before he's betrayed and goes to the cross the next day. He's sharing this meal, and before the meal happens, he goes and he washes their dirty feet. He takes on the form of a servant, puts a towel around his waist, and goes toe by toe, nasty feet to nasty feet, and washes their feet. And he says this line to them. And this is before they're about to betray him. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And so uh, Haven family, we don't cleanse ourselves, right? We don't have the capability of doing that. That's not what we celebrate. What we celebrate uh, with communion is remembering that Jesus Christ has cleansed us. What we remember is that Jesus Christ forever is seated at a table and he welcomes us to come just as we are. That's the invitation of our Savior. The heart of our Savior is the real you has to meet the real Jesus. And with communion, I love the fact that we take it every week and that our our logo is a chair. And it's as if Jesus is sitting there every week just waiting to hear from us, waiting to hear from you before you partake and celebrate what he's done. And so in this moment, I'm going to close this in prayer, but in this moment, start praying to God. Start pouring out your heart to him. Be real. The real you has to meet the real Jesus. He can handle it. He's already handled it. He's taken it to the cross. Pour out your heart to him. And if anything I said resonated with you this morning about, um, you know, your heart growing cold, bring that to God and cry out to him saying, God, I want that joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I want that delight, Lord God. Would you return that to me? Would you lead me out of any way? I'm, I'm quenching that fire and fan into flame my affection for you. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll celebrate by taking communion together and by singing to him. So Heavenly Father, you are so steadfast in your love. You're so steadfast in your love. And our hearts cry out, God, oh, we want to go back, God. We thank you. We know that you're still good and you're still pleased and you're still reigning and ruling over this, Lord God. But Lord, with you, with you, Jesus, there's always more. The feast never runs out. There's always more. That's how kind you are. That's how gracious you are. Our salvation wasn't a one-time event. It was an eternal covenant. And we're seated at a table where the feast never gets stale. The wine is always fresh. 
the Savior is always smiling and welcoming us to come. And so we say, God, we want to come back for the weary, for the broken, for the tired, for the thirsty. Would you be their healer? Would you be their mender? Lord, only you can satisfy our hearts. Would you do that, God? That's what we want. That's why we're here. That's why you spoke us into existence, was to satisfy our thirst in you. You said in John 7, come to me, all you who thirst, and I, and out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. So I pray your blessing over this moment, God. We, we, we take time today. We don't need to rush this. Pray your blessing, God. Holy Spirit, would you minister to weary, broken hearts? Would you minister to those that are just crippled by their guilt and shame over past sins that are forgiven? And would you have our, your way with our hearts, God? Would you bring us back, God? you bring us back and we thank you Lord we love you the Lord says his mercies are new every morning there's always more with you more grace more comfort more love more peace it never runs dry the river never runs dry so come in like a flood come in like a roaring river Holy Spirit and have your way with our hearts in this moment before we take communion and celebrate you. And Lord, we pray your blessing over this sermon series, God, that you would renew our hearts, Lord Jesus, and that through this we would see, Lord God, you magnified and glorified in what you do in us and through this church body. We bless your name, praise in your name. Amen.